Today, I get to welcome Christina Minka Miller to the podcast. She is the founder of the nonprofit organization called Being Positioned. I met Christina at Ballistum in November of 2019. From the moment that I met Christina, I just knew that there was something really special about her. As I got to know her more over the next couple of days and since the conference and through this interview, I know that God placed her in my life for a reason. Christina's story is one that is a testament to how God can position you for for things even before you know why it's happening. I really cannot wait for you to be inspired by Christina just like I was. But before we get ready to connect the dots, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, would you mind doing that for me really quick? I'm going to roll the intro here in a second. So uh, hop over and just quick lo- click the little subscribe button. I really appreciate all of my listeners and I put out a new podcast every Monday. And sometimes I even do bonus episodes during the week when there's just something on my heart that I need to get out to you. All right, enough of me. Let's go talk to Christina. <laughs> You're listening to the Connect the Dots podcast with me, Heather Balseric. This show is designed to help you navigate your career, understand your customer's experience, and bring us together as we learn more about our communities. So tune in, turn it up, and get ready to connect the dots. All right. Well, Christina, it is so good to see you. Uh, I have missed seeing your face. Um, so I know we had the, we, we met at Blissdom, had three days together. It felt a lot longer than three days, <laughs> but, um, I'm excited to see you again and for, for you to be on the podcast. Yes. I'm excited too. And I'm so proud of you with this. This is so exciting. Oh, well, thank you. It's, you know, thanks to, to people like you that this is actually happening. Being at Blissdom and meeting, meeting you and, and other, the other ladies, it just, it really did give me the courage to say, I can do this. So I just, oh, see, it's going to happen. All the feels are already happening today. Like we're <laughs> like 30 seconds in. <laughs> but I want to, you know, I have a little introduction I've already given to to everybody about like who you are and how we met, but um, I, I didn't like, you know, give them all the story because I want them to hear it from you in your voice. So I want you to kind of take us through like, who is Christina and kind of your journey that has gotten you to where you are today? Oh gosh, it's a big question for someone <laughs> like me. Um, well, I'll just start with a little bit that I am Christina, obviously. I'm originally from Texas and I am only 27 years old, but I was dating someone for five years at the time and I was in grad school and just had my whole life ahead of me. And then I suddenly, very, very suddenly, got diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder called neurofibromatosis type 2, which essentially means that I have two benign brain tumors that are growing on my hearing imbalance nerve. So at the time, I lost literally all of my hearing in my left ear within seconds. I was crossing a street, and it just was gone. And uh, about a month later, finally, they discovered the brain tumors, and they're estimating by the age of 40, I'll be fully deaf. So I've um, been through, my husband and I, actually now husband, we've been married for four years, and through that, um, we've I've gone through 18 months of chemo, and um, just a whole lot of MRIs, and hearing tests, and 
just been a big journey for us, but it's been an amazing journey, um, which I'm sure we'll talk more about the details of it later. <laughs> it is the direct cause of us launching a nonprofit most recently in November, actually, too. Do you want me to talk about that yet or <laughs> wait a little for it? Let's, let's wait just a bit. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's, and it's so funny on a podcast, right? Because people can't see us. And <laughs> I'm sitting over here. I'm like grabbing the tissues because I'm already like, and it's not because it's, it's just like stories like yours just inspire me. And that just, and that's what brings like all the emotion out of me. So I apologize. Yeah, I love it. No, it's good. It's good. Um, what I want to, to start with is, you know, so with the podcast, um, I talk about three different things. I talk about career and like how you, how people get started in their careers and what they do. And I talk about their customer, who they serve and I talk about community. So I want to start with that career piece. So what did your career path look like? I know you said you were in grad school. So what, what was your path going to be? Like, what did you want to do before you got diagnosed? I love that. What was your path going to be? <laughs> um, so for me, I actually had a very, very clear idea of what I was going to do since the ninth grade. I knew I was going to be a therapist. My dad was a therapist and I just always had this ability to connect with other people on a really, really quick, um, but deep level as well. And so I literally did everything correct. I got extremely good grades. I worked very hard, went to all these different, you know, conferences, mentorship opportunities, you name it. And then got to grad school and got my master's degree in social work. And again, full on ready to be a therapist, doing really well in my internships. Three or two months before I graduated, I was literally, the street I was crossing was on the way to take a final. <laughs> and um, it was just a huge, huge reality check for me. I think just sitting in that, um, that office, the doctor's office, and then saying, you're going to be deaf. And I thought, well, I'm supposed to be a therapist. <laughs> like, how am I going to do this if I can't hear people? And um, just through that, it was a really, really hard reality to swallow because I thought I, I did everything right. I went to school. I'm so close. My life is just getting started. And it just felt like it was instantly stolen in just that one little doctor's appointment. And so for me, that was a huge um, thing to just really figure out how this disorder was going to shape my future and shape my career. And for me to really learn to be open to whatever opportunities and whatever plan God had for me and for my future and to just sort of let go <laughs> of the desire to be a therapist. But I actually did pursue it. The we, um, I was two months from graduating grad school and three months from getting married and moving from Texas to Florida. So basically every change you can go through, I went through. And um, when I got to Florida, I actually ended up getting hired by my neuro-oncologist during my first appointment. He, at the very end, he said, you know, I heard you're, you're a social worker and you're a recent graduate. We have a position available and I want you to apply for it the day after my first chemo infusion was my job interview <laughs> and I got hired within a week. So it was, and it was cool. I think for me at that point, I was feeling so insecure about my disorder and how this was going to affect my ability to work or people seeing value in me as a social worker. And in this instance, it was my doctor, the person who knew the absolute worst sides of my disorder is the one who saw that value in me and who said, you need to do this job. So I did get to pursue counseling for a bit. I did it for a year during that. And um, just through that time, I did like it. And I did 
enjoy it. And I was glad I was getting the opportunity, but it no longer felt correct to me anymore. Um, and it was honestly, it was hard. It's really hard when you have one functioning ear <laughs> to, to have to listen for so long. And when people are crying and they're hard to hear, <laughs> and it, it's just challenging. So, so that was really my career path before <laughs> all of this happened. See, then that's one of those things, like you were right there at the end of grad school and you could have easily said, I'm not going to finish. I'm going to walk away. And you didn't, that like, you know, that's the perseverance that I think, gosh, Heather, hold yourself together. You know, that's the perseverance that I think a lot of people like they don't want to push through. They just want to say, oh, woe is me. This is going to take me away from what I want to do. I'm not going to ever be able to do anything that I want to do now. This is, this is who I am. I am this disease. I am this, this, this thing I've been diagnosed with. And I think that just the testament to you that you finished you said, you know what? I'm finishing. This is what it is. I'm finishing. I'm getting married. I'm moving to Florida. And, and then you just continued to say, I'm, I, I, I am not this disease. This tumor isn't who I am. This hearing loss is not who I am. I'm Christina. And these things are part of me, but I'm still me. And I'm still going to go do what, what I'm meant to do. Yeah. Um, and then learning through all of that too, that, okay, social work was great and counseling was amazing, but there's more now. Yeah. Um, so since that, so tell me, so you did that for a year and then what happened with your career? Then, then what changed? Then life got really fun. (laughs) Um, so I had been at the time I had been on chemo for nine straight months. So my husband and I newlywed, like that was our life. We were, you know, MRIs and hearing tests every three months, chemo, working at a hospital and so literally like working for my own clinic and my whole life was brain tumors and people dying and it was very very heavy and hard and through that I just really started to um I knew like okay this job is probably only going to be for about a year I think I need to figure out what's next and I kind of shared that with my husband but we didn't talk too in depth and then um shortly after I think I was still on treatment I had an episode where my hearing in my right ear, so my one functioning ear, totally dropped uh, instantly, and it was just gone. And thankfully, they brought it back with a lot of steroids, but it was a huge, huge reality check. I was, you know, essentially deaf for a couple of days, and it was just one of those things where it was like, all right, like this could happen at any minute, and I really need to make the rest of my life work for what my reality is. And at the moment, I was holding on too much to what I wanted my life to be rather than just kind of accepting and allowing this to not, not that I wasn't accepting it, but I wasn't um, accepting the impact that it was going to have on my career, I think. So my husband, we were, I will admit drinking margaritas on a beach. (laughs) I don't admit that to everyone usually, but he got the very wonderful idea. He said, you know, what if we just quit our jobs and we traveled the world for six months, we can just move to England and, and just do that. And I said, you're ridiculous. There is not a chance. But a few more margaritas later, it started sounding like the best idea ever. (laughs) And literally, like, by the next day, we had picked out an apartment in London. Like, we were going to do this. 
But of course, we got home from the beach and we thought, all right, maybe that's not our best decision. Um, and so we just kind of started to go back and, and, you know, normal life. But within one week's time, we had three people die, like extraordinarily tragic, just crazy deaths. Like someone got hit by a train, died in a plane crash, and then like hor- horrible, horrible car accident. And so that week, Carden and I both were like, oh my gosh, we life is so short and so precious and and we already knew that but this was it just felt like was like this ultimate sign of like you've got to you've got to do this and so um we decided (laughs) we were going to quit our jobs and instead of for six months we decided to do it for 14 months and we weren't going to move to london we um decided we were just going to go because of my health stuff we do we did have to come back a lot and so we would go for a couple trips, like a couple countries at a time, and then come back um, to Orlando and get my, you know, doctor's appointment done. So we um, we first started just a few months in the U.S., but we did a full 12 months abroad, starting in South Africa, Dubai, and Abu Dhabi, and then we ended in Japan and Thailand. I guess last December, not this year, but year before. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was. I mean, the absolute year of a lifetime for sure in every way, shape, or form. It's just. Uh, and I love, I love that. And I've seen the pictures. So I hope everybody too, after, after they listen to the podcast, they go and the, they look at the website and the blog, cause it is, it's truly inspirational, all the stuff that you did get to do. And so in that time frame, um, where did, where did being positioned, where did that part come from? Where did starting this nonprofit? Yeah. So the, the phrase being positioned actually started like a month after I got diet or a month after we moved to Florida, I was listening to a Christian radio station and a woman came on and said, you know, when you're feeling stuck and life is really hard and horrible, that's when you're being positioned to do something greater. And I went home that night and I literally, my husband and I were like Googling this phrase. I was trying to figure out who had said it and it just something in it just caused this shift in me. So I held on to it and I actually started a blog like that week and then I never wrote anything for it because I started my job. And so I just didn't have the time or energy. So then when we quit our job, that was one of the things we had still maintained the domain. Um, and so we said, okay, like I'm going to, I'll document our travels. This way our family can see it. And we kept the name being positioned. And through that, um, I mean, there's just been a whole thing, but I just felt like the phrase being positioned was such a incredible piece of hope for me and I think for anyone even if you're not religious that knowing that your struggle and the worst parts of your life can be turned into something good if you let it is such a powerful thought and so for people living with disorders like mine um, that's why we wanted to name the nonprofit this since we serve uh, adults who have these conditions as well to give them that same hope too yeah I love it I, and I, I love that. And I've heard, I've heard it before, um, in, from somewhere and, and then just, I, I, I like all the words, Heather, use your words. Um, <laughs> so I, I just, it does kind of encapsulate everything that you said, like that hope of, you know, you're not stuck that, that there is things happening. So when you were setting up the, the, the nonprofit, um, how did you decide and define kind of who you were going to serve? Yeah. So, well, so first off, um, we send adults who are diagnosed with rare genetic disorders on all expenses paid trips, or we call them journeys within the U S 
So for us, I actually started, I had the idea of sitting on a bench in Switzerland. <laughs> and I initially was like, okay, I think we're supposed to do it for people who have neurofibromatosis. Like, I don't really know exactly. And I wasn't super clear on it. And I remember telling my parents about it. And then my stepmom sent me this website and she said, oh, I think there's another organization that kind of does something similar. And ironically, they, they do a very, very similar thing that we're doing, but um, for a different age group and they do it just for neurofibromatosis. And they're also located in Florida. <laughs> and so I saw that and I thought, oh, geez, are you serious? Like, that's great that they do that, but what are the odds? Like, this was, you know, just this random desire that I had. But finding them was the best thing that could have happened because it really, for one, they turned into this unbelievably amazing resource for us and helping me get started. But it also helped me to clarify who our population is that we're going to serve. Because um, for us, I mean, we have two audiences, our donors, but also our recipients. And so we ended up kind of just deciding, you know, adults are such an underserved population. And adults who have rare genetic disorders, these are conditions that, I mean, they are more common than, I think it was like AIDS and cancer combined, or AIDS and HIV combined, or I, I can't remember, cancer. Yeah. Um, whatever, all the statistics, go to our website. You can yeah. read <laughs> um, But they, just knowing that it is such a prevalent thing, but these are rare disorders. And so no one really knows exactly what they are. And there's these off the wall conditions, but all of them cause this incredible deterioration in your body. And many of them steal your senses, your mobility. You can be deaf and blind. You can be paralyzed. I mean, just everything you can imagine. And it's progressive. But a lot of these disorders are also not terminal. So I'm going to live a very long life, but it's going to be an incredibly difficult one. And so for, for focusing on that population that they know they're kind of a ticking time bomb, um, but that they're okay right now and that they can take these opportunities and live their lives to the fullest right now since they know what's coming. But really, otherwise resources, mostly people focus on you know people who are terminal or um, just different different areas that are like that rather than someone like me who if you're looking at me you have no idea that I have brain tumors or yeah. hearing loss or any of it and so I would not be someone you would pick to help and to do something for and so that was really for us how we kind of honed in on who we wanted to help yeah and, and you're right I mean when I first met you I had no idea I mean you know, I, I didn't and you know and it came out like as we were talking and you know um and then just, and then finding out more about your story, you know, after, after, even after Blistem and I went and I, I found the, the Facebook site and I watched the video and I boohooed and I boohooed. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in a, in a, I think it's important. I think that is a very important message that it is a very underserved population that people don't think about it, um, that they're, you know, and other things that maybe people know more about things like lupus or fibromyalgia or those autoimmune disorders too, that people suffer from that you can't see it, but they feel it. Yeah. And um, so I, I think it's a great, it's a great starting point that hopefully more people start to understand and learn that, Hey, it's more than just, cancer it's more than just amputation it's more than just terminal things that you can see um you know that educate yourself and that's part of what my podcast is all about too is is that educating on 
things that maybe people don't know about. Real quick, I just want to say thank you again for listening to the Connect the Dots podcast. Hope you enjoy the rest of the interview. In the year traveling that you did, what did that teach you about career, like career paths, building a career, serving others about the importance of community? What did that teach you? So I think for me, uh, one thing it taught me is literally anything is possible. (laughs) Um, You know, my life looked very different than we ever thought it would. But I think too, I had focused a lot on doing blog posts and um, just connecting with people all over the world. And it showed me that, you know, a lot of people who have my condition or similar conditions or just, you know, invisible illnesses in general, honestly, like you're talking about. And they all were feeling so depressed and so lost and so stuck. And, and just, again, it's like your future is just stolen from you. And so for me, seeing that and understanding that that was a need that I didn't know existed before getting this diagnosis, I had no idea that this population existed, but that that kind of impact would happen to you when you have a diagnosis like this. And so it just really honestly taught me that for one, I'm still capable. I can still do these things and I can change the world. Uh, Maybe just my little corner of it, but I'm going to do it nonetheless. Um, But it just really taught me to, I guess, just chase after anything. I think is the biggest thing that, you know, no dream is um, too far out of reach if you choose for it to not be. Yeah. I love that. I love that message that it's, that just, you have to go after it. Nothing is too far. Um, And you don't have to change the whole world, uh, you know, but if you change the, you know, for one person, that's, you know, one person at a time. And I saw, there was a quote I saw on Instagram. I think it was on Instagram yesterday or today. And it was, it was something very similar. I've seen it a lot about, you know, you can't, you can't do everything, but you can do something. Um, And I think that that's, that is a very important message, especially for some of the audience that, that I hope is going to listen to this podcast. Um, You know, cause my, my, community or the customers, people I want to serve kind of range from like high school students into young adults, into, you know, people that are in their thirties, like myself and and then older and parents of that message of, Hey, you know, you can make an impact, even if something changes, that's just being positioned. Like you say, and that these curveballs can become your purpose. Like that's part of your story. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 100% part of your story. And that's what makes you who you are. So talk to me about what's next for you. What's next for Christina and what's next for being positioned? Kind of what's coming up. So right now we are currently, so we launched on November 7th and we had an incredible, incredible launch. Um, And then the holidays came, which was kind of good. I got to rest. Finally, I was very tired. Um, But now we're in the process of waiting for people to send in their applications for us to send them on a journey. So we, we had quite a few that took our eligibility quiz in the past. So we know people have our application in their hands. Um, but it is a little lengthy. So right now we're, we're kind of sitting and waiting a little. Um, but otherwise, I think a lot of my focus is really going to be kind of pushing into the blog more. I took quite a bit of a break from it this last year, just while I devoted all my energy to starting the nonprofit. And so for me, that's the side that I love, the blog and getting to just connect with other people and use my story um, to 
to help others just to not see that their life's not over. Um, mm -hmm. And so for me, that's really kind of the biggest focus at the moment. But otherwise, my future is wide open, which will be that way forever. I think I'll always embrace it that way. I love that. I love that outlook. Um, so I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Um, setting up a nonprofit, that's not easy. No, not at all. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about what that process looks like? Yeah. Um, so um, the way it works is that, so, so a nonprofit is literally just a business, but the 501c3 is the tax bracket that you fall in. So it's literally just that you are um, a tax-free entity. And so for us, you know, we knew how to kind of start the business, but we had no idea how to do the nonprofit side at all. But thankfully, we knew an accountant who is very good at researching, <laughs> and he took pity on me and decided to help me. So he, he researched and he found us a group that would help us to actually set up and apply for the 501c3, but it's a very long process. It was also right in the middle of the government shutdown, which meant everything took far longer than it should ever have taken. Uh, so we actually got our approval a lot quicker than most but it was still way longer than it was supposed to be um, because of that. But beyond just setting up that, that's just the beginning. I mean, when you think of creating a website from scratch and writing a website from scratch, um, you know, figuring out how you're going to plan a trip and, and just do all the real true details of it was a lot. And I think for me, I was very naive getting started. I thought, all right, like we can do this. I had zero resources at all. Literally, I didn't know anybody. And it all started with that one accountant. And through him, he met someone else and put us in contact with them. And literally just every door opened through that. Uh, but my favorite, actually, of all, we met a, um, a girl who she's actually like one of the brand managers for Lego in Denmark. And we met her while we were traveling. Wow. And she had been reading my blog before we met her. But she was just amazing. And we hit it off really well. And she, um, we connected again, we came back and I said, you know, what do you think about making a logo for us? Well, she made the logo and then we ended up having her build our entire website because she was, for one, very generous with us, um, but just, it was incredible. And creating a brand is very challenging, but extraordinarily essential. So that would be a one big tip that I give to people is don't try to skimp on things, especially with a nonprofit. It's easy to just try to do the cheapest version that you can in every area, but that is not always the wisest decision. But do it where you can. Try to be cheap. <laughs> um, but in things like creating your brand and your, just your whole identity, that's a good area to invest in because that's also how you build trust with your population um, and with your ideal customer as well. So for us, donors is, is a big part of it that we need them to trust who we are and especially brand new. So if you, you know, went to our website and it just looked like this horrible thing, you would be a little bit iffy about pressing the donate button. I think if, if you were in that situation. So, yeah. so overall though, starting a nonprofit is, it's a lot. It is way more than I expected, but I think um, doors open for you if you're supposed to do it. I think it, people yeah. will come into your life and they will help you. <laughs> At least that's what happened for us, which was huge. Very helpful. <laughs> I love it. 
you know, and your website is beautiful. It is absolutely, it's engaging. I've, I've been all over it in the past couple of days and kind of like read everything and, and got to clicking on all the stories. And, um, and I think it's, you know, it, it says a lot about the care that you and, and your husband have put into this um, and, and everybody else that because there's a, a lot of people on the board and, uh, got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I know it's you. And then I cannot remember. There's another lady that that's yeah. your Sarah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but you can tell just the care and the, and the drive that you, that you have to make this successful. Yeah. And, Big love, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. So tell us, tell, tell my community, how can they get involved? How can they support you? Like, what do you need them to do? What can they do to help? Absolutely. Well, for one, we're a nonprofit. Donate. <laughs> that is always our first thing we ask. Um, but also, I think a biggest thing, too, is sharing our story. That we, we created a video that I guess you saw, Heather. And that was also for free. Someone donated it and um, had just incredible equipment. And it was amazing. So, so sharing that has been a huge help for us and just getting the word out that we exist, not just for donors, but for people who have these conditions. Um, but also, you know, follow on social media and just following all my stuff at um, Being Positioned and then at Christina Minkameller is another big one. Um, but just to, you know, keep up with our story and our journey for that right now. And we have a few fundraisers in the future, but it's, it's you know, one step at a time for us, I think. Yeah, I saw something about like Cereal de Mayo. Yes, yeah. So that was <laughs> one of my favorite things. Um, so we went to a cereal bar in Spain, which was an extraordinarily American thing to do when you're in a foreign country. And it was all imported cereal for like $5 a bowl, which was, if you think about it, it's like $3 probably for a box. So, but we loved it. We thought this is the most amazing thing ever. So we went home and it was, um, Cinco de Mayo at the same time. And we were only home for like two weeks. So we wanted to have our friends over and that's when I just randomly thought of Cereal de Mayo, but we did it for two years and seriously, people loved it. You, I mean, I think cause it's also, we're all adults, but it's just a chance to kind of be a kid, live out your cereal dreams, eat as much as you want. And it was just so funny. We have, you know, little margaritas and uh, my dog has a sombrero <laughs> that we put on her, but, but it was just a really cool, unique thing. And ironically, May is the awareness month for the condition that I have. And so my sister was actually the one who reached out to me one day and just said, I think you need to make Cyril DeMaio a fundraiser. And I thought, well, that's a little weird. I don't know if people will do that. But it's so unique and people attach to it. Every time, each time that we had it, people, anytime I posted on social media, they said, oh my gosh, I'm going to steal this idea. So for us, it was just really one of those things that we thought, all right, this is unique and it's fun. It's something fun for the whole family. And it's going to be just a big old cereal bar with also a nacho bar. So people (laughs) don't like cereal, we're not going to force you to eat it, Uh, but it'll just be fun. So we're going to have our first one, hopefully in Orlando this May. Awesome. Well, please let me know if you do, because I'm totally down for cereal bar and I would love to come down to Orlando. May is my birthday month. We would love that. Oh, there you go. It's perfect. What better way to celebrate within a whole bunch of cereal? <laughs> exactly. Whole bunch of cereal, whole bunch of amazing people, uh, and a great cause. So yes, please keep me, keep me informed and I will. 
All right. So what tips do you have um, for, for my listeners about anything with about building a career and it doesn't necessarily maybe have to be in that nonprofit space, but maybe even that social work space, um, but tips for, for career or college or serving the people or serving their community. Give us all your, all your knowledge, Christina. <laughs> oh, knowledge. oh gosh, broad question. Okay. <laughs> so I think for me, um, the biggest thing was I started and I thought I know literally nothing about anything. And so I started reading and Googling. So I bought a bunch of business books and I made it a rule every day for 30 minutes. I would read these business books just to give me a little bit of clarity and insight. Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts. So starting with this one's a really good one. But I think the biggest thing was for us to connect with that other organization that was already doing something similar. And so for no matter what sphere you're planning on working in or doing, find someone else who is already doing it, even if it's a little different, maybe it's exactly what you want to do, but get every and all information you can from them. Study their website, study, you know, whatever there is, go to their events, talk to them and just do what you can to absorb what they're doing because they already did it. And so if you want to get there, they're literally providing you a roadmap for it. But I think for me, the biggest thing truly was just thinking of all the ways I could educate myself. And the, the things that I learned the most that were absolutely from that organization, um, as well as a few other you know key people that we, just, again, came into our life at the right time. Mm-hmm. But I think that no matter what you're doing is my biggest tip. There's so much out there to learn and reading and um, podcast and, you know, web, just websites and reaching out to, I mean, if you, if you find somebody that's doing something similar to you and you reach out, they may say no, but if they say no, then it's not meant for you to work with those people. Um, And so most of the time that I've experienced is people want to help you. And, and people want to help you grow because especially in the space you're in, there's not a lot of awareness. So the more awareness that there can be, the better you both do. Um, and that's how good business owners think. So people listen up, uh, good yeah. business owners think that way. Uh, if they don't, then they may not last that long. Uh, if they're greedy, might not be a very good role model for you either. Yes. If, their, if their heart isn't in it to help others too, then that's probably not someone you should aspire to be or a business you should aspire to create either. At least that's so how I true. Think. So that is so true. Here's the nail. Here's the hammer. You hit it. Perfect. (laughs) Love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, So where can we find you? I know you mentioned a couple of times, but could you tell us again, where can we find you online? What's the website and where can we follow you on social media? Yeah. So our website is beingpositioned.org and on social media, the, um, for both Instagram and Facebook at it's at being positioned. And then for my personal stuff on Instagram, it's, Christina Minkameller, which is very hard to spell, but if you go to our website, beingposition.org, um, you can follow me on social media through that on our About Us page as well. Awesome. And I'll put it in the show notes yes, perfect. too, so, so you can <laughs> find them. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. My last name's Balseric. That's why yeah. it's not in my, uh, it's not in my Instagram handle. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I know. I don't know why I put it on mine. That was a poor choice. Right now, it's there, so... You know. <laughs> All right. So Christina, um, thank you so much. It 
this has been a, just an absolute joy for me. I've cried. I've laughed. I have learned things and I hope that the audience, I'm sure the audience has learned things and um, hopefully they will tell us on social media because that's the best place to tell us. So if you, if you learned something today, if you want to help out, hey, post it on social media, tag us in it. Um, all the tags again are in the show notes. Um, and so thank you so much for your time today, Christina. Thank you. This has been great. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Christina today. And I'd love to hear kind of your takeaways. So take a screenshot of the podcast, put it out up there on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, tag us in it. Let us know what you thought. What was your biggest takeaway today? Look forward to seeing you again next week, everybody. As always, you are loved, you are worthy, and there are great things ahead for you in this life. So to make sure that you don't miss out on next week's episode, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get notified. Come on and join the conversation over on Instagram and follow me at Ms. Heather B. Dot or at Polka Dot Desk. We are here for you and look forward to bringing you more information about career, customers, and community. This podcast is brought to you by the Polka Dot Desk. Yeah, absolutely.